Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. So we're coming, we're, we're coming to the end of our Holy Spirit series, and we open the series by just kind of setting out there and declaring the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is fully God. And all too often, Christians, because um, we, we don't really know what to do with the Spirit. We call Him a power. We call Him you know, the, the power that comes inside us and, and equips us and enables us, empowers us. Um, but we, we don't really recognize that he's a person that we can have a relationship with. That Jesus said, it's better if I go away so the helper can come and he will fill you. That The Holy Spirit indwells us, comes to live inside us, that we can have a relationship. And I remember kind of setting out the example as if I give you a birthday gift and it's a gift bag and you reach in and you pull out the gift and you miss a $500 gift card at the bottom. And you celebrate the gift that has been given, but but so much of the gift goes unrecognized. And how the Holy Spirit is like that. That God has offered us Himself. And we open up the Father and we open up the Son and we leave so much of the gift unnoticed. Because we either don't recognize it or we don't know what to do with it. Or we're embarrassed that people might label us uh, with some kind of label that we don't want to have. And so we just kind of push the Spirit to the side. And this series has been a series where we're trying to say, help us, help us deepen our relationship with the Spirit. Help us to see who you are, because we don't want this to be an awkward conversation. And we, we want to walk in all of the power, God, that you have for us, that you want for us, that you are offering us. And so we've looked at the Holy Spirit, who is uh, the life giver, that is, the Holy Spirit brings us to life physically, but then also breathes life into us spiritually. That the moment that we submit ourselves to Christ, we have a new life surge within us. The Spirit brings us to life. We've talked about how He's our helper and our encourager. We've talked about how the Holy Spirit, and just, just as Jesus is called Emmanuel, and we focus on him in that way at Christmas, that he's God with us, that the Holy Spirit is like that, but God in us. It's Emmanuel in us. And we've talked about how the Holy Spirit is a light bringer, how he shines light in our shadows, how he opens our eyes to see our sin, both the sin uh, that we would all identify as sin, you know, like doing bad stuff, but also the sin of not doing what he's called us to do. So sins of, people call it sins of commission and sins of omission. That we do what we shouldn't do and we don't do what we should do. Right? And the Holy Spirit shines light on that. Not just to shame us, not just to condemn us, but to open our eyes to what God has for us. And like Tony said in the welcome, if we would fear him, not in a fear that would make us run um, because we're just scared of who God is, but a fear that is a deep and holy reverence, that we care what he thinks, that we care what he thinks, and we want to follow the life that he has for us, that we want, we want to fear God as individuals and as a church, and we want to share that with our community. And so we follow him 
as he shines light. Today we get to talk about the Holy Spirit as the transformer. The Holy Spirit as, uh, the theological word would be sanctifier. It means to be, to be transformed, to be made holy and set apart. So I want to start with a question. Is, have, you ever, have you ever had a mind-blowing moment when you're reading the Bible? You know, Tony, Tony talked about gospel and community and mission and how in the past few weeks that has kind of uh, come, he's reawakened to the immensity of what those three words even mean. But if, when you're reading the Bible, have you ever had a moment where maybe even verses that you've read over and over and over, somehow they just pop and something that you have not seen before or the richness that you have not seen before comes to life. I want to throw one verse up on the screen. I had this a few years ago as I was reading in Hebrews, um, and this one verse is like, how have I not seen this before? Because it's beautiful, and for me it was a mind-blowing moment. Hebrews 10.14 says, For by a single offering he, Jesus, has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. By a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. The New uh, International Version says it a little bit differently. It says, For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So this was the moment for me that says, when we are in Christ, we are already perfect. As far as it, as, as far as it uh, comes to like us standing before God, either covered in our own sin, or standing perfect before Him, we, in Christ, are already perfect. And yet we are being made holy. We are being sanctified. That means there's this already not yet kind of thing going on. In the same way that Jesus' kingdom is already here, and yet we look forward to a day when He comes fully already here, not yet fully here. We are already perfect, and yet we're not yet done, right? And the Holy Spirit's job, one of His jobs, is to show us how we are not yet done. That's the light bringer, how He convicts us, and He shows us what is and what could be. And His role as the sanctifier, His role as the transformer, is that He doesn't just show us what could be. He makes it happen. Right? So we are not alone in this. We are being made holy. If you notice that that is a passive. Right? We are being made holy. We are not making ourselves holy. We are being made holy. I, I absolutely love this connection. We are perfect before God in Christ. But he's, but he's not done with it. He's not done with who we are and who we're becoming. So the New Testament talks about the Holy Spirit who sanctifies us. In a, in a number of verses, the Holy Spirit who transforms us. In Romans 15, 16, Paul speaks of uh, people who have been sanctified by the Holy Spirit. 2 Thessalonians 2.15 talks about us who are chosen and sanctified, us who are chosen and transformed by the Holy Spirit. And 1 Peter 1.2 talks about the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, that He's in us, and it's like this uh, slow cooker, kind of like He's constantly working in us 
so that we can be changed, so that we could be transformed. And it's, again, not because we're not good enough. It's not, I'm not good enough to stand before God because that's what Christ did. That's what Jesus already accomplished, that I can stand with confidence before God in Christ, that he did what I couldn't do. And he's not done with me yet. He's not done with me yet. So this morning, really simply, I want to take a look at what does sanctification look like? What does this transformation look like? How does the Holy Spirit transform us? Really, we could, we could have a huge, long, semester-long conversation about this um, in a, a seminary-level class, and we still wouldn't cover it all. I just want to talk about three things. The Holy Spirit transforms us first, I think, by setting us free from kind of this nagging, ongoing sin that he brings freedom in our lives, that his kindness leads us to repentance. Galatians 5.16 says, we walk by the Spirit. Like we live our life in connection with the Spirit, paying attention to the Spirit. And as we do, it says, he says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So then Paul says, the desires of the flesh are evident. Like we don't, we don't have to look too far and we don't have to say, what, what, what are you talking about there? He spells it out. The New Living Translation says, uh, the, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. So let's have a mass confession. Are you now or have you ever been tempted and fallen into one of these? At least one of these. Yeah? Good. I mean, not good. I mean, it's good to say so. It's good to be able to admit it. Because that's, that's walking in our own power. That's walking in our own mind. That's walking in our own flesh. And when those desires take over, that just leads to death. And we're encouraged to walk by the Spirit. Verse 25 says, if we live by the Spirit, let's also keep in step with the Spirit. And so the Spirit works in us an awareness. An awareness of who we are in our own power. And the mess we make walking into sin in our own power. He gives us that awareness, but then he gives us power to do something about it. That on our own, it's like Proverbs says, like a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. We just keep licking that crap up. Right? And the Spirit, when we walk with Him, when we walk with an awareness of who He is, has already made us perfect in standing before God. But now, now He gives us this opportunity to say, I want to put to death the stuff of the past. And before, before Christ, I didn't have the power to do that. I had no access to any power that could free me from this sin. And now we have access 
and now we can take, uh, take advantage of what God has given us in this gift. Awareness and power and freedom. And he continues to show us what it looks like to walk with him more fully. And as we do, we are transformed. That he works this transformation in us. The Holy Spirit will always direct us back to the word. Back to who God is and what his character is like. The Trinity works together. The Holy Spirit leads us to the Father and to the Son. And the, whole, the Father and the Son send us the Spirit. And it's this wonderful, wonderful party of intimacy and communion that we get to be a part of. And the Holy Spirit directs us back to say, keep your mind on these things. And as your mind is on these things, you'll find yourself set free. So the Holy Spirit transforms us by helping us move beyond old entrenched sin that we just keep getting stuck in over and over and over. And then the second part is he, he transforms us by forming Christ in us. And so while the first would be, we could say, he gives us freedom, he transforms us and he makes us free. The second would be, he transforms us and he gives us intimacy. Intimacy with God. And I would say it's the kind of pour over effect overflow that leads to intimacy with others. Ephesians 3, 14 through 19 says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. And we have this already, not yet, right? That Christ is already in me. The Spirit is already in me. And yet, I want, I want Him to fully dwell. I want to open up every part of my life to Him. Because he doesn't, he doesn't slam me with continual condemnation. He calls me into what could be. He calls me into more of who He created me to be. More intimacy with Him. The Spirit fills us with a power that brings us closer and closer to Jesus. So that, so that, I love how it says, so that we might comprehend the love of God. So that we might be filled with him more and more and more. The Holy Spirit, as we walk with him, as we keep our mind on him, as we pay attention to him, sets us free from sin and gives us intimacy with God. And the third, then, is that as we walk with the Spirit, He develops fruit in our life. So we're set free, we have intimacy, and then we start to bear fruit. We start, things start to grow in our lives where before there was nothing or before there was death and before there was pain that we cause and that we contribute to. Now, fruit starts to grow, life starts to grow. 
Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit the Spirit grows in us, not the fruit that we just will out of ourselves. So I'd, love, I'd like to pop this out, but the fruit, as we walk with Him, He develops this in us. He says, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That as we walk in Him, these things grow in our lives. And I'll tell you, if you want to take a look at someone who claims to be walking in Christ, someone who claims to be a follower of God, what you can look for in their lives is this fruit. And if you don't see it, be very careful. Apple trees grow apples, right? They do it naturally. And as we walk in the Spirit, He grows in us the fruit of the Spirit. So I can look back in my past and point to where I am now and celebrate that fruit has grown in my life. That the Spirit has grown things in my life. That I have grown in love and I have grown in patience. I have, I have grown in these things. And I have not yet arrived, nor have you. But as I walk with the Spirit, He is bearing fruit in my life. R.A. Torrey says this. He says, If the Holy Spirit is given control of our lives, this is the fruit He will bear. All real beauty of character, all real Christ-likeness in us is the Holy Spirit's work. It is His fruit. He produces it. He bears it. Not we. And so I, I say, if, if you look at that list and you say, I am poor, in these things. It's not that you want to say, okay, start to look at them and start to say, how can I be more loving and how can I be more patient? But to say, how can I, how can I open myself up more to the Spirit? How can I open myself up more to be transformed by Him? Because when I do that and when I keep in step with Him and when I'm walking with Him, He grows these things in me. I don't have to fight for fruit. I want to fight to open myself up to submit and he'll grow those things so as application questions I want to ask you these how has he already transformed you if you are walking in Christ he has already transformed you we should be able to look at that and celebrate and say I, I don't just look at, his, at what is not yet done I don't just look at how I'm still inadequate or still have so much growth to, to happen. I can look back and I can celebrate what God has done in my life. So personally, personally, like I look back and say, uh, in college, I was a master of sarcasm. And I was, I was able to sting people and feel so good about myself. And I remember even touring college and going to mingle with people and I sat sheepishly at a table uh, with like an upperclassman mentor and a bunch of other guys who were just trying to figure it out. For probably an hour I sat there saying nothing as I, I started to feel more comfortable then I would start to like zing and zing and zing and I remember walking back into the dorm room that night where I was staying and looking in the mirror this is embarrassing, looking in the mirror and be like Oh, you are so sharp because you told that upperclassman how it was. Like, what a tool. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. 
And I have seen over the years how sarcasm has its place, but how sarcasm is way overused and hurts people. And I have seen a transformation in me that cares about caring for people, not just in sending a, a quick zing around at people. I've seen that. I've seen transformation in me that has moved me from a state of conflict paralysis, not just conflict avoidance, but conflict paralysis, into somebody now who, uh, on my best days, can face into conflict in healthy ways. And to say, I don't, I don't have to be afraid of this. I can wade in and trust and, and be reminded that we're on the same team together and that we can attack this together and I don't have to pull the covers over my head. And I, I would also say, like, just me personally, there has been a recent transformation in me in how I view repentance. That I, I, I grew up thinking repentance was a dirty word. Thinking that repentance was all about shame and condemnation and a word that the church used to beat you up because you weren't good enough. And it's what an ugly word. It's for holier-than-thou people who say, you know, like, you, you got to talk about repentance. And I think we've mishandled it. I think we've done a bad job with repentance a lot. But I have fallen in love with repentance recently because of the way the gift of the Holy Spirit shining light and saying, this is dark, and I want life to thrive. And it's not just, look how bad but it's look what could be. And the Holy Spirit doesn't, doesn't convict us to condemn us. He convicts us and he leads us to repentance so that we can have greater life. And to me, that, that is a mind-changing deal that makes me love repentance and want to find ways that God is calling repentance out of me. How has he already transformed you? How has God worked in you? I want you to look at that. I want you to reflect on that. I want you to think about that because I want you to be able to celebrate. To not just always focus on what isn't and how you can grow, though that's important, but to be able to celebrate what God has done in you. How has God transformed you? Past tense. And I would ask you, how is he calling transformation out of you right now? What is he drawing your attention to? And while the past tense would be celebrate, recognize what God has done in you, transformed in you, and celebrate that, uh, the present tense, the word I would have is submit, which is also one of those words that I have grown up thinking like a swear word. It took me a long time in the way that repentance did. It took me a long time to embrace the word submit. I want to submit to God. I want to fear him and so submit to him so that he can lead me toward greater and greater life. And if you see him calling stuff out in you, the best thing that you can do for your health and for your intimacy and for the relationships around is you submit to what God is calling out. That doesn't mean that you are a weak person. That doesn't mean that you, that you submit to bullies, that people who are acid in your life. That you submit to God. And if you hear God calling something out in you, 
I want, to be, I want us to be a people who are quick to say yes to that. Quick to bend to that. To bow to that. To submit to God is not weakness. To submit to God is, is to find our strength in Him and not in ourselves. And so we have a past tense. How has He transformed you? And we celebrate that. And we have a present tense. What is he calling out of you right now? And we want to submit to that. And then I would say, let's look to the future. Is how might he transform you this next year? And the two words that I think of there would be dream and expect. That God is not done with you. That God... God has some incredible, crazy transformation for you this next year and for me this next year. Walking with the Holy Spirit, you will not be the same this time next year. Right? I will not be the same this time next year. And so I, I want to share with you something that God has been working in, in me and something that I have been processing with people close to me and I just want to kind of peel back a little bit. I feel like a couple weeks ago I heard this message from God and, um, and so I started to test it with people. And here it was directly. Who I have been is not enough for where we're going. Who I have been is not enough for where we are going together. That means I'm not running away. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not bowing out. That means I have to grow more aggressively than I ever have had to in my life. I have to grow into the leader that God is calling me to be here at Damascus Road. I have a wave of emotions, mixed emotions that come over me at the time. One uh, that I... One is like the, whoa, that, that can be really defeating. And one, there's like, whoa, that's super exciting. And what I want to tell you is that I, I'm refusing to be defeated by that. That I think that that is an exciting thing to hear from God. That God is not done with me. That God is going to transform me. And I start to dream about what this next year could look like. In me personally, as I grow as a son, as a husband, as a father, as a leader and pastor. That who I am will be vastly different this time next year. Right? And that's for you too. Who you have been is not enough for where we're going. We cannot, we cannot be content to rely on the strength that God has given us in the past to carry us into the future. In the same way that in the Old Testament, as they're leaving slavery in Egypt, and he gives them manna, he gives them, what is this, every day, bread on the ground, and he says, I want you to pick up today's strength. And when they picked up uh, more than that, it would just kind of rot. He said, every day, I want you to rely on what I have for you today, and not on what I gave you yesterday. Who I have been is not enough for where God is leading us what God has for me, and the growth that he wants me, uh, for me and for us and for our community. Every year as we graduated the class of seniors, we would give them a Bible and we would sign it in my years in student ministry. 
And a guy named Jim, year after year after year, signed the same verse. And it wasn't because he only knew one verse. It was because he wanted graduating seniors to know Philippians 1.6. That said, I am certain that God, who began a good work in you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. I'm convinced that God, who has already made you perfect, who has already made you perfect, this is the, good, this is the start of the good work. That, that perfect would be the start. Is crazy. But God, who has begun a good work in you, would not stop, would carry it on to completion, that every day of your life, he will be working in you to call out more. That he will be growing more in you until the day you die or Jesus returns. And I don't want that to produce anxiety in you. I want, it, I want you to find a place of rest in healing and wholeness and then a drive to embrace everything that God sends our way. I love the sign or the song lyric that says, God, wherever you lead me, I know you won't leave me. And what you call out of me, I know you will deliver. That God will produce this in us. I expect to be transformed this year. And I'm dreaming about what that looks like. And I expect Damascus Road to be transformed this year. And I'm dreaming about what God has in store for us. The Holy Spirit transforms you by setting you free from sin, getting you freedom, by forming Christ in you and, and pulling you into intimacy with Him and with others. The Holy Spirit uh, transforms you by, by growing fruit in your life. How has He already done that? How does he want to do that right now? And how might he do that into the future? Celebrate, submit, and then dream. One last thought. Is that transformation isn't just for me. And it isn't just for you as individuals. I think it's also for us as a church that we've already talked about this morning. That God wants to transform the us but I think transformation is also about our community. That God, as we follow him, our families are changed and transformed. Our community is transformed. The neighborhood around Damascus Road Church is transformed. That it isn't just about this kind of inside job. I wholeheartedly believe Damascus Road, as we get transformed, our neighborhood is going to get transformed. And we seek the good of our neighborhood. We seek the good of our city. I want freedom and I want intimacy and I want fruit in our city, in our neighborhood here. So may we celebrate the transformation that the Spirit has already produced in our lives. May we submit to the transformation that He wants to produce now. May we celebrate, may we expect the transformation that He is going to be producing in us in this next season. May we be set free from sin. May we grow deeper and deeper in our intimacy with Christ. And may we bear fruit as we walk with the Spirit. May we see this transformation in our lives, in our church, and in our neighborhood. Let's pray.
Father, in you, in you and through you, we are transformed. That you would love us, as Michael said, that you would love us just the way we are, but refuse to let us stay that way. That you would be seeking to continually transform us and to, to continually be uh, drawing in us into greater and greater life. Spirit, thank you that we don't do this on our own because we can't. We thank you for what you've done. We want to follow you in what you have for us now. And we want to dream about what you have coming for us this next year. Help us to be people. Help us to be people who celebrate you and submit to you and dream. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to move.